are now listening to Hint of Lemon. Hey, welcome to Hint of Lemon. So today, I have a very special guest, as every (laughs) guest is here. So I've known this guy for all my life, that's for sure, since we were born. This is one of my first best friends, besides my sister. Uh, Just since we were kids, we definitely vibed. Um, There's always been something about being around this guy that's just so infectious, way about him, from laughing to being courageous and bold and brave just something about being around this guy is always positive and uplifting so this guy has always been a go-getter in my eyes especially and even though he is a little younger than me i've always looked up to this guy in terms of just going out and just doing his thing and not giving a shit about what anybody says and so just how he's always taking an opportunity as maybe as a challenge and always for fun is always something that I've seen this guy do. And I kind of wish that that was more of my case growing up, but just being able to see how he lived in that kind of way and obviously making it work for him has always been inspiring. So I would like to introduce you guys to my cousin, Brian. What's up? <laughs> oh, you got a clap track. I like that. <laughs> That's so, such a sweet intro. Very wholesome. I thank appreciate you, it. Thank you. And uh, you won't hear this in the edits, but I always do stumble because it is hard for me to express my feelings. So I have a hard <laughs> time talking in that case. You but, just love me too much. You just didn't know what to say. Yeah, that too. Um, so yeah, how's it going, man? So you're currently in New York City and there's yeah. a storm. Tell me about yeah. it. So hopefully my power doesn't go out during this. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's apparently the biggest storm that we're the East coast is supposed to have in like a couple of years. I don't think we got hit as bad as we thought we would, yeah. but uh, my, my uh, North Seattle ass is not prepared for this. <laughs> and you haven't, have you been there for a full year already or not? Um, shy of a year? Te- yeah, technically. Yeah. It's been a little bit over a year. Um, but with, with COVID craziness, I was back home for like a couple months. Um, but yeah, uh, in terms of having a place in New York, it's been a little bit over a year. Yeah. So with COVID and this, crazy winter weather that you've probably never experienced especially being born here in seattle how are you dealing with all this because i feel like that's just so many parts of life that you need to take a consideration of it's definitely different i mean i you, you might have seen my ig story i haven't i don't even own winter boots so yeah it's, i haven't i haven't stepped outside in like 48 hours <laughs> so funny story this guy has just been posting nonstop. what for two days already <laughs> Not to throw shade, but this guy is really trying to get a pair of boots, but he's trying to be prepared too. So yeah. I get it. If anybody's got Rex, send them Barks away. Yeah. What's the verdict though? What are you choosing? I know Tim's, uh, Tim's is the number one thing Tim's, in my book. I don't know if you're going for that though. I don't know. I still have to do some research. There's a there's too many options and they're pretty expensive. So I want to make a want to make a sound investment. That's my frugal Asian side coming up. I guess so. <laughs> You gotta you gotta fit the New York role though. I know, but I don't know if I'm if I'm hard enough to wear Tim's. You know, and I might uh, I might have to stick with the Bloodstones. Yeah, you'll get your street <laughs> your street cut. You're fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, let's just uh, go straight into it. So, earliest memories. Do you want me to start? Or are you? I'm curious. Uh, 
of like us or yeah like all the way back to the 90s Dude, what's so your many. first memory or maybe funny memory let's just start with that i don't know if you were in the car but i remember sure. that uh you had you had the old volvo and yeah, we, we, got into, we got we got like rear-ended and no. were you in that car maybe you weren't oh no i i'm i'm probably just associating you with it because it was your your parents car um but yeah outside of that it was just us playing in the cul-de-sac like Oliver, my brother, Mikey, our other cousin. Um, we were not very nice to each other. Like no. all of us. <laughs> we were we were no, pretty we're nasty. Pretty rough, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all love, you yeah. know. My earliest memories, I mean, not a specific moment, but I can be confident and say that we were definitely the best set of Power Rangers. Um I oh, myself was my was the black ranger. Brian, you were you were blue. Oliver was red. Uh, he was the oldest out of all of us. Or and then Mikey. Um, he got he, yellow. Yeah, he got <laughs> yellow. Uh, he's a, he's a guy. Um, <laughs> he may never hear this, but Mikey got yellow, and then Tommy came, and he just kind of took that, and that was his decision, not anybody else's. So. <laughs> just clarifying. No, yeah, but, but outside of that, I just remember basketball. Like that was that was mm. kind of our thing growing up. I I played on your guys' uh, youth team through your school. Yeah. And uh, we were living our best and one mixtape dreams. See, that's what I was planning on talking about, too. Um, When we would go back to our childhood, Bronny and I were very big and one fans. Uh, Anything basketball related, like we gravitated towards that. So like and one, not only the mixtapes, but also and one, the game. Uh, NBA Street was huge growing up. Um, I remember we got into the craze of wearing fucking um baller bands baller bands were the thing back then by the way baller bands we always wore sweatbands on our arm just casually with a fucking polo at times i remember that <laughs> it's sweatbands and the headband yeah oh you definitely rock the headband more yeah. um so there's a lot of embarrassing stuff like that that we kind of went through obviously it's a phase but i'm i'm proud of that shit i don't know about you <laughs> Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, I had like every pair of T-Max known to man. And T-Max yeah. was huge. I remember because uh, one of our titas, she would always just buy us random shit. But she would always <laughs> buy us. I think she bought my first pair of T-Max, like the black and the purple trimmings. Yeah. And then I know she bought us both evolution balls, which I still have, by the way. Like those, that was the technology where you can unscrew the pump in the ball and it had its oh, own oh, yeah, yeah yeah the built-in pump yeah the built-in pump like that's one of my fondest memories back you know especially when we would vibe back then but how would you say we're both similar and alike because i feel like back then obviously basketball but around that era would you say when we were kids yeah yeah i mean i i think that we were both pretty sociable um we were both kind of class clown types um, for sure yeah so i think at the family gatherings we were kind of like the ones who were kind of joking yeah and you know playing pranks whatnot i i felt like you were a little bit more reserved than i was like you kind of played the straight man yeah and i was kind of like the sprightly annoying (laughs) little pixie i wouldn't say annoying you're definitely more outgoing (laughs) i feel like at some point like i was definitely brian's hype man because he'd be running around and be like hell yeah hell yeah (laughs) well you also grew a lot faster than than the majority of our cousins i was was the biggest kid out of everybody that's for sure (laughs) still am um but yeah kind of going into how we are now we can just talk about it briefly how do you think our dynamic has changed our relationship as cousins 
Well, we're definitely not balling anymore. I mean, I think my asthma caught nah. up with me. So. No, me too. <laughs> my my back hurts now, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're old. Um, no, I, I think we we just we always tend to have really good deep conversations about just like you know whether it's self improvement mm-hmm. or you know just deep emotional talks. And I, I appreciate your emotional vulnerability and your yeah. and your ability to kind of like articulate your feelings. I've always found that to be like a very admirable trait. Mm. So appreciate that. No, yeah. uh, it's funny because. I don't know if you recall, but even when we were kids, I do remember, I don't know what clicked. I mean, depression is kind of big in my life. I I don't mean to say that. I kind of mean that in a joking way, but obviously, you know, it does suck sometimes. But I do remember confiding in you a lot as kids because at times I remember like having issues at school and whatnot. And when I would hang out with cousins, like you would definitely be the first person that I felt comfortable to mention that to. And maybe our conversations weren't super deep. It'd be like, Oh, this guy said this about me or this girl, you know, doesn't like me this way. But I think just being able to have that at an early age with a cousin that I can relate with. And we definitely had deep enough talks where that helped me get through a lot of things as, you know, preteen pre middle school times that we would hang out a lot. And so I feel like that's kind of where I think our relationship stems from And, you know, it's always been kind of like, I know, even though we don't see each other, especially nowadays as much, catching up with you is always refreshing because it's like, I still remember you as, you know, that kind of cousin that I can always relate to and lean on in a way. So that's kind of how I see our dynamic, which is awesome because obviously that changes, especially during this pandemic, but growing into our 30s and whatnot, I know that's something that's very valuable to me. Yeah, same. I'll throw that back at you. I think I think it helped that we, you know, even though we grew up close, we were obviously living very different lives. You know, yeah. you were going to like a different school, different school district and stuff. Yeah. And so to have someone who we trusted, who, you know, we confided, but, you know, like was completely removed from sort of our day to day life, I think right. was, was helpful because they could kind of provide a perspective that was like removed from everything that was, you know, happening on the daily basis. So. Right. So kind of going back to that era, how would you describe yourself as a as a kid oh just very broad question but what was your take i'm curious from uh your point of view i mean i think looking back on it and i have a notoriously bad memory but i i think like the things that stick out are that i was kind of a class clown like i was always kind of joking around i felt like i was pretty precocious um like i was good academically um parents obviously had a big part in you know the academic rigor as with as with most uh children of asian immigrants that's a course of course but yeah, that, I, I think that that's generally how I describe myself. Like I was very social outgoing, like I loved people. And yeah, I was just, I was kind of like a studious-ish person throughout most of elementary school, elementary, middle, kind of fell off in high school, but yeah, you know. And how do you think you, did you feel like you had any hopes or dreams at that time, at that age? Because, you know, personally, I didn't. I'm just curious, like, what was your thought process back then? Because I, just a yeah. side note, I remember you were very big on just comedy and just being a fan. Obviously we always start as being a fan, but I feel like it's interesting to see as we got older, you definitely gravitated towards comedy. Um, For sure. Cause I do remember you performed in a small comedy club or just casually, just to try something new. I, I remember that. And yeah, no, that yeah. definitely happened. So things like that, like I'm curious if, you know, obviously maybe not a career in comedy, but 
what were your hopes and dreams at that time? Because I feel like there was at least something that you gravitated towards. Because you love people. You mentioned that. Yeah. So. I, I think that's what drew me to comedy is that it allowed me to connect with people in, in that way. Mm. And I liked feeling like I could impact somebody positively through through comedy, um, mm. which is why I post these dumb IG stories all the time. Yeah. You know, We get a kick uh, out of it. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I don't know if I was thinking about it from a career standpoint. I just knew that I was getting a lot of validation because of it. And it was something that I naturally liked. So it was just one of those mm. things that sort of growing up, it brought me joy. Um, sure. I, I explored it a little bit more, you know, like you said, like I, I did exactly two open mics back in, in Seattle. They yeah, were both the college at college days. Yeah. 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 They were both at, uh, at an old Thai restaurant and mm. the first one went well and I was like, cool, this is great. Second time, um, I tried to go up on an empty stomach and I took a couple drinks beforehand <laughs> to steady my nerves and I got Bad heckled. Idea. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it was funny because, like, I mean, we're new to this scene. It's like a Sunday night at like eleven, which yeah. is when like the free open mics are, where you can just get up and practice your stuff. Yeah. And uh, and again, it was at a Thai restaurant, so they're like, "Coming to the stage is Brian," and and this guy was like, "Boo!" and he, he throws an egg roll at me. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> and it just hits me in the chest, and I'm like, I'm bewildered. I'm like, I don't understand. You don't even know me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm nobody in this scene. So <laughs> I, so yeah. First, first open mic went well. Second mic. Oh, dreams Jesus. dashed and never never did it again <laughs> yeah i did not hear about that part of the story i just thought yeah. it went well maybe i should have checked in back then but no that's interesting <laughs> no, no but i mean just kind of looking at that i mean just taking a couple steps back it's kind of cool how you still had the same outlook and just the same approach like you always just took it as a challenge like hey why not let's try this it's something new something somewhat familiar and you know that it's just cool to see how that resonated today yeah yeah, it took me a long time to really build up the courage to do it. Um, I remember me and my my friend Alex, we were preparing for it for like months. Like we'd just be writing bits every single day. Yeah. And finally, we felt like we got to a place where we had enough stuff to go up. And it's really, it's only like three minutes, you know, like, right. so it's not a big deal, but just like getting over that hump. Um, yeah. And it was cool. I, I, after the first time, I was like, it was like a high, was something that I had never really experienced before. So, yeah. That's kind of why I moved out to New York a little bit. Like I wanted to pursue like, improv and whatnot but um unfortunately with covid like literally some of these improv places are being closed down for like yeah. for like institutional places yeah so it's pretty unfortunate but we'll survive yeah we'll come back and that's what a podcast can be used for everybody yeah exactly <laughs> who knows you guys can hear my shitty dick jokes <laughs> <laughs> hey somebody who's down to hear it i'll be your first listener you got that <laughs> kind of going back to your childhood i mean just to be completely transparent after high school or after middle school, I do remember us not being as close. Um, just kind of giving my backstory on that. I do remember that kind of took a big toll on me personally because I think that's where I grew the most as a as a person. Because, you know, middle school comes with a lot of challenges and then that leads to high school. And then obviously to college, which is, which is kind of where we started reconnecting, I guess you can say. Maybe it's yeah. different in your head. Kind of going back to that, like, how did you grow as a person? Because I do remember missing that part of your life and we, we don't need to get, I, I know there is some family issues going there. Um, we don't need to get into that, but I'm just no, curious. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Like I, I, I can get it. Like I've been reflecting on this a lot. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I don't really, again, I think a lot of my memory being foggy, I think potentially might be, you know, like a coping mechanism, you know, just like not 
not remembering some of the more like traumatic things, but sure, sure. definitely like a turning point for me in, in high school was my junior year. Cause my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. Right. Um, and I, I hadn't really thought about it for a long time, like how that kind of impacted me. Cause I think I just sort of brushed it aside and kind of just, you know, kept it pushing. Sure. Um, but yeah, I was definitely, I was definitely a lot more depressed around that time than I think I was giving myself credit for. Like I, cause it was, it was hard for me to see how negatively I was being impacted. Cause I still had like good friends in high school. Like I was president of my high school, you know, all right, these things yeah. like I had like a good, like on the outside, I, I looked like I was doing fine, but right. you know, as, as is generally the case, you know, you're always, people are always fighting that kind of hidden battle, you don't really know exactly course, what they're going. Right. Uh, yeah. And it was tough. Um, and we'll, we'll probably get into this later, but like I, I was revisiting that stuff when thinking about like, what are all the things that kind of held me back or like, what are some of the mental traps that I keep falling into that right. have kind of more or less like hindered me from getting after what I want to get after. Right. And that was definitely a part of it of like reflecting back on that time period and like figuring out like what exactly is this trauma? How do I process these emotions, et cetera? Right. And I do remember hearing about that. And obviously it is hard because, you know, that is a family member and, you know, you don't ever want hope that on anybody. Yeah. And I mean, again, I'm not going to get into the family drama or whatever you want to call it, but it, it was hard because seeing that from a distance, because it's like, we do want to reach out and whatnot. And I think it was also so complicated because at the time, like I was in middle school and high school and I guess middle school is kind of where it started because it's like we wanted to reach out or I wanted to, but I knew that as a kid, it's like, what the hell? Me wanting to hang out with my cousins didn't make everything better with the grownups who were fighting, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then obviously in high school, you know, when we did hear about that, it's like, I think it was so distant to the point where it's like, I didn't even know how to reconnect with you guys because we were completely different people by then, I would say. Definitely. Because, um, you know, I was, we were all dealing with our own shit. Like that's where life really hits you. Uh, well, this life just happened to hit both of us. I feel like, cause it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, like, like you said, without getting into specifics, but I mean, we definitely were subjected to, you know, like kind of like the, the drama of things that were kind of quote unquote above our pay grade, you know, like right. it's it people who are having a conflict that like we weren't necessarily privy to all of the details and, right. and try to navigate that as like, you know, we just want to play basketball. We just want to hang right. out. And that was even before, you know, like my mom getting diagnosed and all of that stuff. So right. it's like we were kind of navigating this space where no one's really giving us guidance. All we know is that we kind of want to like be there for each other. Right. There's can't. no backstory at all, which is yeah. I think that hurt me the most. Um, I mean, I think I was a pretty uh, sensitive person to the point where it's like I know my feelings and I'm not afraid to yeah. let people know, especially if I care. I don't know why, but a distinct memory that I had was that like, in the thick of that family drama, I remember my dad was like, what do you want for your birthday? And I mean, in a joking way, but also something that also resonated with how I felt at the time was that I remember I said, like, I want my family to make amends. And yeah. I don't know, like, I didn't think much of that, but I remember like my dad brought it up, overheard him talking about it as he was talking with our other family members, like our titos and titas. And I was like, fuck maybe that was kind of good that he mentioned that too because it was on everybody's mind at the time and obviously that affected you know our relationship and my relationship with your two siblings as well and so no that's just a backstory i mean obviously we've never talked about this before 
Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. No, that's 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 nuts. I mean, the fact that you had that kind of emotional capacity to like right. say something. I mean, to to me, I think that's profound. And I think yeah. Again, kind of kind of going back to this trope in our lives of being the being the kids of of Asian immigrants and like right. especially from a culture where they're not as emotionally um, how would you say it? like effusive. Yeah. You know, as emotionally like communicative. Yeah. You having to be that voice of a reason in that moment. Which is really you know? fucking weird. <laughs> <to be laughs> like, I'm just a child. Like, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. But it doesn't feel right. Yeah. Right. But we are dealing, our family is known for dealing with a lot of, uh, I feel like there's a lot of emotional trauma there somehow. But, you know. Oh, 100%. Every family has yeah. its quirks. Let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah. We, do, we don't blame them. Right. But it is good to acknowledge that these things happen so that we can, right. we can move on from them. Right. So, yeah. Um, so going back to your mom, I mean, that was tragic, you know, just he- again, hearing from our point of view. Because um, so I guess kind of diving into that, like, how did you deal with that? Because I, I do remember seeing pictures of you at that time. And I was like, holy shit, this guy got hella long hair. And obviously, like. <laughs> I did hear about you being the president of your school, which was fucking awesome. Like, I wish I could have celebrated without you. And hearing that, like, I'm going to be honest, like, I thought you guys were good. Like, I thought you were good, especially, like, you know, mentally. thriving. Yeah. So, yeah, what was the uh, take me from then there to college and where we are now? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm trying to I'm trying to do this from two perspectives because I feel like recently I've I've thought about that time period a lot differently. I think right. if you asked me in the moment, I mean, like you said, I grew up my hair, yeah. kind of went through my chemical romance phase, like yeah. went, went super emo, <laughs> um, <laughs> which like to me I was just like, yeah, no, I'm just getting into new music. But I mean, if I'm if I'm being objective and looking back on it now, it's probably like that was me just trying to cope with things. In, For sure, in, no, like, yeah, it's real. Sense, you know. Again, I, like growing up, I feel like I was pretty, pretty studious. Like I was pretty academically inclined um, around that time. And th- junior year is like when you start like applying for colleges and all this right. stuff. And now I, I started failing classes, like like AP classes and hmm. and stuff. So I had to. I remember I had to take um, a makeup class for for U.S. history at like a local community college because I I failed out of it um, hmm. junior year. And I remember writing my teacher a note like I was just like hey I hope you don't think that I like was disrespecting you by like not doing my work it's just like I'm going through some shit and and then I saw him the next year um at like picture day and then he he shook my hand he was like hey I didn't I didn't realize that all that was going on so Hmm. yeah like those were the things that I didn't really I didn't give it the weight in the moment that I think it probably deserved Hmm. um and because of that I think I kind of was just yeah I just kind of kept it kept it pushing um, I think a lot of, there was like a lot of emotional numbing going on for sure. Um, I remember when my mom was getting her head shaved by my dad, like yeah. after she started chemo and stuff and like, I was like, can't deal with this. So yeah. I just kind of walked by. Just made it more yeah. real. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that's where we'll kind of go back into, well, when we go forward, I'll, sure. I'll kind of reflect back on this, but yeah. of, of this concept of, I developed this defense mechanism, coping mechanism, whatever you want to call it of. Like when shit gets hard, you kind of just shut down. You you just like you can't get hurt, you know, if you're not feeling anything right. Right. Um, and that was like super adaptive. I think it it helped and it served me well because I could continue on with my life. But you know, it has its drawbacks. And I think that w- once we kind of get to more recent events, I think that's sure. where it sort of came to a head. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So without this kind of, I'm gonna reflect it more back on you, but. Um, yeah this made you realize a lot about yourself and 
do you feel like you would be as so obviously that was just a really hard time because like you mentioned earlier you were numb to the point where that kind of benefited you would you say that's benefited you a lot today or do you feel like you're kind of going back to that experience and how you dealt with that like feel like in a way you would deal with that differently considering that we've gone through a lot of life um, yeah. and experiences but maybe it, it is similar so what's kind of like your take would you do you feel like that dealing that way at the time has benefited you today like do you have the same way of going about things is what i'm kind of getting at yeah so to answer the the second part of that do i do i go about it the same way i would say no um mm. I was very aware of like the drawbacks of that. Like mm. there's a reason why you develop these patterns of behavior. Like, mm. like I said, they're adaptive. They make sense mm. um, until they don't, you know, they're adaptive until they become maladaptive. And so to answer the first part, yeah, I, I would say like it did benefit me in that I was you know, able to continue on with my life more or less, you know, right. it didn't have any catastrophic effects, but like, obviously there were, there were a lot of drawbacks. There were a lot of, of like cons to that. Of course. That strategy, you know, I, I couldn't be there for my mom in the way that I wanted to be. And of course, that's, yeah. that's going to be something that I'm going to regret um, or do regret. Um, how I kind of deal with it differently now, because I I've been trying to lean into this, like numbing yourself from any sort of emotion is not necessarily the healthiest way to go about things, because then you can't process those mm -hmm. things that happen. And and yeah, I think because I didn't process it in the healthiest way back then, I kind of like held on to that weight and it sort of, it, it manifests later on or it, it kind of rears its head right. later on in your life until you can kind of wrap your head around like what what exactly was going on, you know, how to how to develop better strategies, more optimized strategies right. for dealing with those things. So, yeah. But I do have to give you a lot of respect and, you know, the fact that you're able to handle that whatever age you are it's just hard to see again any loved one deal with that firsthand especially like i'm not even gonna say that i can say that i've i've felt the same way you know what i mean like totally that's yeah. definitely yeah, part of, would not recommend <laughs> right and you know that's yeah it's definitely just eye-opening just to see how like i don't know if you would say you had the strength to do that but it's like i i can only imagine that at a certain point, you just kind of had to do what you had to do. And that was just kind of your gut feeling. And you just kind of rolled with it, it sounds like, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. Personally, I wouldn't give it as much of a positive tilt. Um, right. Just yeah. I, right. And I, I'm also I, not I, trying to downplay it or anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? But Well, I, I meant specifically in terms of like how I was acting. Like I, I think in a lot of ways, I was acting very selfishly. And yeah. I, I don't I don't try and judge myself for that. Like No, you I shouldn't. Was also, I was also a high school kid, you know? Right. Uh, yeah, I think I think part of getting over that and, and really like really processing it fully was to understand that I was acting selfishly. I was yeah. being, you know, I was I was doing things that like didn't feel to whatever moral compass I have internally. Um, and that's OK. You know, like accepting that part of it and then and being like, yeah, you acted selfishly, but you're not like a selfish person was like a big revelation for me. Yeah. So kind of fast forwarding from high school, we did reconnect because we both graduated with psych degrees. You had a BS, uh, I had a BA, whatever. Um, <laughs> but we did have that psychology background. So I think it's just funny because obviously you mentioned that you love people and learning about people. If I'm honest, I thought I hated people, but I do love learning about how people think and kind of just their way of thinking. And, you know, I think that's what I gravitated towards, especially for my major. 
Um, obviously, we had different aspirations for what we wanted to do with that degree. One conversation I do want to bring up, though, is I remember out of college, so you can c- talk about this, but on my end, I do remember working in a, I'm not going to say where, but I worked in a in mental health. So I worked in a psychiatric unit, an inpatient unit, and I worked with kids ranging from ages 6 to 18. And I do remember that was a big part of graduating college because into the workforce. But as a person, I remember being challenged so many times because that job was obviously very hard because I was helping kids with different disabilities and mental health issues where it challenged me to deal with that when obviously I was also dealing with the anxieties of what will my life look at, look like from here on out and if this is the right job for me. And I remember a conversation I had with Brian, which I think really helped set that tone was because Brian graduated and then happened to move to California to take a job which was very, very random. I mean, again, you can talk on that. But I remember we had a conversation where we were both entering the workforce and we just had the realest conversation in our uncle's room, just kind of, one, catching up on life because, you know, we didn't really have that time to recap a lot of what we did miss in our earlier days. But also, I think that's one of our biggest connections where we, not that we had a, a sulking moment, but we were definitely able to connect and kind of, resonate with the idea that like this is what life can be like these are our hopes and dreams and we're not quite sure if this next opportunity that we're both taking in our careers could help us or break us but like I just remember that idea was just fresh in our minds like this is where we're at like how are you dealing with it and he'd ask me the same thing so going off of that kind of take me through that process of moving to California for a new job and leading up to our conversation if you do remember that at least yeah I mean I think I remember it vaguely but I like in in general my my sort of journey to California was kind of like you said it, it was a little bit random and a little haphazard in in many ways um, so so for context I, I worked in a lab at my college um, and the uh, principal researcher there who I was like a research assistant for she went on to to uh, be a researcher at YouTube in California. And so I graduated. We were working together over my senior summer. And after I graduated, I was thinking about, like, what's the next step? Do I want to do a PhD in psychology? Like, I, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. And I remember very vividly sitting in my bed, just like, it's probably like three in the afternoon. I haven't even gotten up for the day. I'm in my boxers. And I get this email uh, from my mentor and she's like, Hey, I've got this job in California at YouTube. It's a contract position. Um, let me know if you want it <laughs> and you can interview. Yeah. And I was like, I was sitting there with like no prospects, like no future plan. And I kind of just had this and it was probably like, yeah, like a good six to eight months after graduation. I'm just kind of like, well, what do I have to lose? Like I've, I just had this moment where I was kind of like, well, like, why not? What, what's the worst that could happen? Just curious, just side note, was that your first initial reaction to it? Like what kind of went through your head at that point? Because I know I would have reacted differently, but I'm curious. What was your Yeah, take? that's a good question. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm looking at it with rose-colored glasses. Like I think sure. I, I definitely talked to my family about it. I know I know I really like working with this mentor of mine. Um, she's she's still like a close friend and and someone who I look up to. And yeah, I was just like there was it was like a combination of things. It was like this person I really admire. I want to work with them. The opportunity was something that I was like, 
you know, I like I'm stumbling backwards into something that could be really cool. Sure. Um, and it was the the prospect of adventure, you know, like living living in California, living somewhere else. Right. Um, so I, I think after I had a talk with my family, I was just like, I don't know, should I do this? And they're like, yeah, why not? Like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. So it was, it was kind of like, it was a no brainer in the sense that like, I didn't have to weigh it against anything else. So once you did move to California and you got settled with our uncle and their family, how was just adapting not only in a new state, but in a new job? Yeah. That's a lot um, to take in because you know, you're just this, you're a Seattle boy and you just, <laughs> you took your bags and you, and you ran with it. And from my perspective, it was interesting to see because, again, I didn't really get the backstory of what was going on because the next thing I heard, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm moving to California. I'm like, oh, what? Yeah. And so I didn't really know the plan, obviously, but. That makes two of us. I yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> which is fucking badass. But fast forward a couple months later, like you're already settled and you're just going full sprint in this new job this new journey and that was really fun to see because obviously i was dealing with my own stuff and trying to figure out what i was doing but it was interesting to see because it's like oh dang this guy looks like he really knows what he's doing and i didn't know what i was doing i i feel like a lot of people don't really know what they're doing out of after college so maybe you can kind of speak on behalf of that because yeah no, I mean, I, I think that that's an important thing to note is that you, at least from your perspective, it looked like I knew what I was doing, but I, I really didn't. And I'm not going to sit here and say that nobody knows what they're doing. Plenty of people do. I just, yeah. me personally, there wasn't much of a plan. It was like, there's an opportunity here. See where it leads you. Yeah. Um, again, I did have the benefit of like living with family and they they were letting me stay rent free. So like I had, I had a really like nice, easy cushion yeah. of a transition. And I'm, I was super thankful for that. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a lot to get used to just like living, living in a different state, like not having outside of like, you know, uh, our, our cousins and stuff and my uncle and aunt, um, we, had, we did have some other cousins who were in the Bay area at the time. Um, but yeah, they were, they're pretty far away and I didn't drive. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a license. Is, <laughs> so it's okay. You don't, we don't need to talk about that. You're good. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't mind. <laughs> like, uh, I was a late bloomer in, in all aspects. But yeah, it, uh, it was cool though. Like working, working at that company, like it was a, it was a trip. Like I, something that I wasn't really planning for. And it was just like this kind of blessing that kind of got dropped into my lap. I was of like, this is, this is great. Like I'll, I'll make the most of this. And I do remember catching up with you a lot at that time because, you know, we were kind of doing our own thing in our careers and whatnot. And one thing I do notice was that here's something just to throw out there. My perception of you has always kind of related back to when we were younger. And obviously we were completely different people at that point. But what I did mention right off the bat was that you just really started getting into self-help and just kind of getting your mind right and figuring like you're reading a lot of material as well as we our conversations would go towards what are you doing to you know reach this goal or like how are you dealing with anxiety or whatnot so kind of wrapping that question up what inspired you to kind of take that take on your life like what inspired you to think that way or like what was the shift those things weren't really coming up just because yeah, it's funny. I, I, I hear the word inspired and I, I think more of just like what propelled me to do or what's a catalyst because it wasn't like a spark of inspiration. I think mm -hmm. it was more so like I'm going through some shit and I don't know how to handle it. So like yeah. 
I, I feel like I'm a pretty analytically minded person. So when I when I don't know the answer to something, I kind of try and deconstruct the problem sure. like piece by piece until I can kind of like get some semblance of control over it. And whether it's my job or um, you know life transitions, et cetera, my mom getting sick, like all these things, I think it always provided an impetus to you know seek out those things because it's like something you you know something's not right kind of at a core level and you're not really feeling yourself right um and yeah you kind of just want to like you know get right so to speak and right. and those things tended to help i i don't know if i was really engaging with the material as like maturely or or as effectively as i i would now but sure. I, I think it, i think it helped you know piecemeal along the way right but there was definitely i noticed there was a drive in wanting to do better for yourself Maybe that does come with age. Maybe that does come with life circumstances. But no, I was just curious if anything kind of led up to that. And then how has that benefited you, you know, as life kind of goes on? Yeah, I think it's a combination of I was naturally interested in these things. Like going back to me being just like a young child, like I was always curious in like what made people tick, like right. what made people do what they do, say what they say, et cetera. And yeah, so I kind of gravitated toward that. So seeing it in a more formal or kind of scientific mm. based approach was mm. interesting. And I think that's why I was drawn to psychology because it was like there are reasons for why all of these things take place. Um, if you sort of understand how these mechanisms of the mind right. sort of work. But yeah, I, I can't say if it was like just one particular thing. I think it was just like a general interest plus catalyzing event X, Y, Z. Mm. So fast forward to now. So how have you kind of applied that to your life? Uh, it's definitely come in handy a lot more recently. So yeah, my uh, my chapter in the Bay Area lasted about four-ish years. Um, I stayed on the same team, but switched offices to our New York location. Mm. And there were periods of time throughout that where like, it was great. I was loving it. Um, toward the end, I was very much... I had a couple cycles throughout that that five year period where I was like pretty unhappy with the job, and it kind of came to a head this last August um, where I was like, I think it's time to time to call it quits, and I did. I I left I left my job, and that it's funny looking back at it like that actually wasn't that heartbreaking to me because mm -hmm. I think I was kind of over it for such a long time, mm -hmm. and like I was struggling with this concept of. It's a really good, it's a really good company, really good job. You know, like on paper, I should be happy, right. but I wasn't, right. and that was really tough. Um, and I felt trapped in that regard because I didn't know. Yeah, like it it sucks to not know why you're unhappy when you have quote unquote every reason to be happy. Um, and yeah, so just a couple of weeks after I left my job, uh, I get a text from my mom saying that. Our, our uncle Bob, the one who I lived with in California, he passed away. Right. And I remember at first I wasn't like, I didn't have an immediate reaction to it. I think I was pretty calm. I was, I was sort of like, Oh, what time did it happen? Um, for context, like he had, he had like longstanding health issues. He was pretty yeah. old. Um, he's suffering for a very long time, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not like a big crier in general, I mean, kind of going back to, to the emotional numbing, like I think that that was kind of my, uh, emotional coping mechanism of choice. Right. So it took me a while to, to kind of have it hit me. Um, and the fact that I wasn't working, like I didn't have an eight hour job right. to kind of preoccupy my attention. Preoccupy my mind. It, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. So 
one day I was just like, in in the, like the weeks following that, I, I started writing about him. Like we were actually really close. I kind of, yeah. uh, I guess taking a step back to kind of give context on like who yeah. he was to our family and stuff. Cause I, I think it's kind of important. Like yeah. he's like the oldest of all of our, our dad's siblings. Yeah, he was so, the first one to come to the States. Yeah. So our, yeah. our dads are to give you a picture of our family structure. Our dads are one of 10 siblings. Both of our dads are the younger ones, but the eldest is Uncle Bob. Yeah, you kind of said this earlier, but he basically paved the way for our whole family, um, partially moving here to America because he was in the Navy, and that kind of trickled down to everyone else moving here eventually. Your living situation is that you live with them in California. You, You saw them every day, but you also saw firsthand the process of him getting weaker, which was... I guess it didn't really hit us as hard, if I'm honest, because, um, you know, we are in Seattle. And so yep. my relationship obviously is not as profound and great compared to the firsthand experience that you've had with him and the memories that you've had with him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to speak on that, too, because that, that's kind of what I started reflecting on in this in this period, because, again, like I I had to sit with all that stuff. I didn't really have anything else sort of distracting me on the day to day. And yeah, like you said, like in a not so abstract way, kind of the history of our family, at least our dad's side in the right. States is because of our uncle Bob, you know? So right. in that, in that way, this might sound melodramatic, but like, I feel yeah. like we, I, I feel like I personally owe him my life, you know, like my dad, would not, yeah. Yeah, my dad would not have been in the States if he didn't make money, send it back to the Philippines, petition our Lola and Lola, right. et cetera. And so, yeah, in that abstract way, I feel like I owe him a lot. And then also in, in a very non-abstract way, in a very practical way, like he, he and my aunt let me live with them rent free. Yeah, they welcomed me in their their home. Like you know, like absolutely no obligation to do so. So he showed up for me in that way. So yeah, in the weeks following him passing, I just started writing about a lot about him. Oh yeah. Also, just I really love how you said that because just a side note, um, just to pay respect to Uncle Bob, is that that just kind of really resonates with who he was ultimately as a person. He just. Yeah. one of the most inspirational role models that we can all look up to not only us as kids but our parents and their cousins and whatever he was a role model to all of us and that just speaks to how he was always open to helping anybody out even if it was just one of his nephews that happened to you know their path crossed with yours and i think it was just really touching to see that you were able to be part of their life you know, especially near the end of his life. Like, I'm sure that was huge for him. Yeah, like, I remember, I, I don't know exactly where it was, but I saw him, it might have been uh, at this wedding, but I saw him at a family gathering of sorts. And, and this was when I was considering um, moving out for the job. Yeah. And I was with him and my dad, and they were just kind of joking around. And they were like, yeah, you should live with your, your Uncle Bob. And I was just like, yeah, why not? And he was like, yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. and it just happened. So yeah. it, it was really that yeah. quick. Like, that's crazy. So yeah, we, and I, I felt like we had a pretty special bond in, in the sense of like, you know, he had two daughters or yeah. their, um, our cousins and it was kind of an empty nest when I, when I got there. So right. I felt like in, in a weird you way, I was like, there, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, you definitely were. <laughs> and yeah, we'd, uh, I don't know. He was so smart. Like he, we'd always watch Jeopardy together. And yeah, I, I remember him beating me and like, he beat me on like a Justin Bieber category. I was like, oh, how damn. do you even know this? Like, what is this? <laughs> So he's cultured too. That's what, <laughs> yeah. So, so long story short, like he, yeah. he meant a lot to me. Um, yeah. and yeah, kind of going into the sort of, I guess, darker, like uglier side of this is sure. it was similar to 
to my mom like it, it was kind of that same process of like i would see him getting weaker you know when i first moved there like he still had pretty good mobility right um and I, I lived with him for about a year and a half and right. but toward the end of that like he he couldn't go up and down the stairs and like they they live in they've lived in the house since like i don't know like the 70s 80s like yeah. really early on right. so there was no real like retrofitting of that house to kind of get him upstairs and whatnot right. um and yeah i i could i could see myself falling into that same pattern of of sort of emotionally numbing you know yeah. to like You've seen to not it, feel the, you've seen exactly before, not yeah. feel the full weight of it all. Yeah, and yeah, so I moved out. I moved in with a couple dudes who worked at the same company as me, and um, and we kind of lost touch. And that's an again, I think that that was partially, you know, just me keeping busy, but also partially like me not necessarily wanting to confront, you know, all of that. Of course, all of that stuff, you know, yeah. the that I really care about this person and it's hard for me to show up in that way because I, I just don't feel like I'm strong enough. And that, that really kind of ate at me. Hmm. Um, so kind of fast forward to, I guess a couple months ago when we're in California for his funeral and, and it's, I mean, even leading up to that, it was just so weird. Like our, our family trying to plan this on zoom, like yeah. kudos to our cousin, like yeah. they're having to plan a funeral in general, but, in COVID times when you got to make all these tough decisions yeah. and there's 50 old Filipinos on zoom and yeah. they don't know how to work it. Dealing with traditional Filipinos. Like I can only speak on behalf of our, our, our race and our culture. <laughs> They're just known to be stubborn and then throw on a pandemic on top of that. And then family quirks did not make that easy at all. Definitely and, not. Yeah. Yeah. And it all just kind of came to head. Like I flew out from New York um, as a pallbearer in his, in his service and, there was a, a moment at the wake where, and I'd been writing about him like prior to this, just like kind of like getting out my thoughts, like, you know, writing about us watching Jeopardy, us yeah. talking about the family history and stuff. Yeah. Um, and the priest was like, does anybody have any words to say at this time? And I just, I couldn't move. Like hmm. I wanted to stand up. I didn't even have anything planned, but it was just like, I don't know, I could feel my heart beating in my, in my throat. And I was just like paralyzed. And yeah, that was really rough. Like I was just like, I, I really hated myself in that moment to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it was, it was everything. It was everything coming back of I'm that person who can't show up when it's hard, you know, especially for this person who showed up for me when I needed him and and how he's always showed up for people in our family. Sure. It was really hard to reconcile that with myself of like, I'm not that person and I, I don't know if I ever will be. So yeah, after that, I go back to Seattle. I'm there for like a month. I'm in a, I'm in a bad spot. Mm. <laughs> like I'm not currently working. So again, I don't have anything to really preoccupy me during the day. Yeah. Just crushing DoorDash meals just every single day. Yeah. Um, But you know, like as dark and sad as that sounds like this, I think this chapter at least has a, has a light at the end of the tunnel. Like I just stumbled across this like psychiatry podcast of like this Harvard trained addiction specialist. And he, uh, he just talks about like emotional process in general, you know, like what is, how do, how do these things function? Like how does anxiety function? How does depression function? How do we process our emotions in a way that's, that allows us to kind of like move through this life unencumbered, et cetera. Mm. And like, it became a blessing in disguise. Cause I, 
because I didn't have a nine to five job, I just like leaned into this stuff super heavily and very heavily. Yeah. What it seems like. Yeah. yeah. And so now I'm, I'm that annoying cousin who's texting <laughs> you about like, yo bro, like you got to get your life together. Like, this is how we do it. This is how we become, this is how we beast mode through life. Yeah. But like, it's just been so helpful to, to kind of really deep dive into this stuff and, and sort of like figure out, yeah, like shine a light on all those ugly things about myself that I wasn't able to either accept or either process. And I don't know, I feel like I've done a lot of healing in the last couple of months. Like I feel like a completely different person. So we'll go into that, but um, kind of going what, uh, what you said earlier, I just kind of want to acknowledge um, the fact that you're, you're able to see your life in seasons, which is, yeah. you may not think much about it, but I do know that that is very healthy. And I think it helps a lot because what I'm saying is that life could have tainted you to the point where you're just angry every day and obviously just try to sabotage not only others, but just yourself and your relationship with others. So I'm very glad that you didn't take that route in life. But in terms of seasons, I think it's just great that you're saying that because that resonates with me because I do remember just relating to my life that you think that when something does happen, it's going to keep happening over and over again but the fact that you're able to label it as a season kind of lets you think and view it as you know this is happening it sucks but within every season it things change and being able to label that as a a season of your life is just very powerful and so from there on um you did mention that you have learned a lot about yourself and whatnot so if you can kind of jump into that because feel like you've definitely are taking the thing is that a lot of this stuff is fresh and I guess we have a lot of things that are unresolved I mean I'm not just in your case it it seems like it is arising again but how are you dealing with that especially learning all um you know through different books and podcasts yeah yeah, twitch streamers yeah so how are you applying everything that you're learning right now with everything is fresh in a, in a sense, but how are you dealing with it and using it to, to benefit yourself ultimately? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there's, there's been so much, um, I think some big revelations are regarding kind of like compassion toward myself. Like I have a very anxious mind and a very pessimistic mind. So when you're talking about how, like, you're glad that these things didn't taint me, like, I, I agree. I don't think overall it did, but I think throughout several stages in my life, I was very cynical. I, you know, like I was always assuming like, well, I was always waiting for like the other shoe to drop, you know, like things are good now, but they're not going to stay good. And that's kind of a, I don't know, that's like a really hard way to live your life, you know, like always waiting for, for things to go sour instead mm-hmm. of just enjoying it for the moment. And I think a lot of that was connected to this, this sense of, you know, like, you know, I, I might be good in moments, but overall I'm kind of a bad person. Like I didn't have a lot of compassion for myself. Um, specifically because of like these sort of traumatic events where I felt like I didn't show up for people who, who I wanted to. Mm. Um, so I think a big thing, like a big self-improvement step for me was taking, taking a step back and like looking at those events in my life where, you know, I, I didn't feel like my best self and acknowledging it, accepting it, like not judging myself. Cause I think, I think the dangerous thing that happened with that is that I internalized this belief of, I'm that person who can't show up when it counts. Hmm. And I mean, I don't want to do my own heart, but I feel like if you ask some of my friends, like I'm, I'm generally the person who they come to for advice and stuff and I'm, I'm, I can be there, but like, it didn't feel like that to me. So I was discounting all of the good work or the good things that I could do for people hmm. because of this internal dialogue that I, I was just like, 
giving myself and and I convinced myself was true. So being able to look back on those events and yeah, just just sort of look at it for what it was, process those emotions and then sort of move forward. Now I now I feel like I'm a lot more resilient because some days you're not you're not gonna have it, you know, like you might want to show up, but you just can't for whatever reason. And then just telling yourself that that's okay. That allows you to kind of like show up the next day or it gives you the opportunity to do so. Whereas if you know, you're, you're hard on yourself that first day, right. then, then that just becomes your, your destiny for the rest of time. Right. And so that was kind of me breaking out of that cycle. Yeah. Just, just from there understanding what confidence is, which is like the prevailing belief that like, no matter what happens, you're gonna be okay. And that starts from within. Like you have to really tell yourself that like, yeah, today wasn't that great, but it's okay. You're going to survive. So yeah, that's a, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how this pans out again. That's, that's me being the cynical part of my brain, but no. And I, I, I think the best part about this, I mean, with respect to what has happened in your life is that a lot of this stuff is fresh and yeah. this podcast, I mean, just taking a step back, isn't looking for answers necessarily. And the fact that you're working on yourself as of right now is very humbling because this isn't meant to be a storybook ending and you just happen to be in the thick of things. Um, you know, I do hope you continue to work on yourself and figure out a lot more things that you think would benefit you. And I think it's just awesome just to hear it because there's so much that has arisen in, what am I saying? <laughs> like the fact that you're able to just deal with everything now and it seems like you're up for the challenge of growing as a person. I think it's great that you're taking it upon yourself to find that healing. Um, yeah, because, you know, whatever is inspiring you to do that is just something very powerful. You don't need to tell me what necessarily, but I think it's just very powerful to know that you're willing to to change yourself and to patch those holes per se. Yeah. And I don't even know necessarily what that thing is, you know, yeah. like I, I'm not necessarily moving toward a target. It's sure. just it's just kind of cultivating an awareness for wh where you're at and being honest with yourself because a lot of this is like understanding if it's like your authentic self speaking versus your ego. Mm. And I think for a lot of my life, you know, whether that's just because of like the expectations that our parents put on us regarding academics or like career, et cetera, yeah. like again, very, very classic immigrant child problems. Yeah. Like I think we suffer a lot because we're thinking about what we should be or where we should be at mm. as opposed to focusing on where we are mm. in the present moment. And like right now I can objectively say I'm, I'm an unemployed person sitting in my, my New York apartment and like, that's fine. You know, mm -hmm. like I'm okay with that. I'm at peace with that. And I think that that's allowed me to be, that's allowed me to tackle whatever comes next with a much more positive mindset um, than kind of working from this framework of I'm not enough or I need to be doing more. Mm. God, there's so much value in having that kind of mindset. And if I'm honest, I'm a little envious. Um, just to let others know a little bit about my journey, like I have been unemployed and yeah. I do remember that it is very different experiencing that firsthand. And that does come with a lot of challenges, not only financially and all those things, but obviously mentally, like I feel like I have degraded uh, in a certain way when I was unemployed because mentally I wasn't there. But mm -hmm. I mean, again, not to be too sappy, but you have to be in a dark place, I believe, to be able to realize what you do have and then kind of grow from there that kind of turned me into a very sour and bitter person but 
I kind of took it as a challenge to, you know, better myself and reflecting this back onto you. Like you've taken that responsibility to be like, Hey, I've sulked. I've taken that time to be down, but it seems like you're picking yourself up pretty well now. And even taking a couple steps forward and a couple steps back, the fact that you're still moving forward is still something to look, to be proud of. Yeah. Uh, I think an important distinction to make, uh, like talking about what you were talking about earlier, um, is I think people are kind of scared to like, look at these sort of more negative, uh, seasons or, or events in their life because they're like, I don't want to sulk. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like pity myself. Um, and that that's totally fair. Like I'm not advocating for people to just sit and like wallow in self pity. Like that's not productive. Sometimes, um, I mean, in my defense, sometimes it's okay to have that, but within yeah, reason. Exactly. You like you don't want you don't want to sit in that and then like have that just be like your status quo. Right. Because uh, right. I I think the important thing like the the only way that you're going to be able to get over those things is to kind of shine that light on it. Because I uh, another thing that I kind of learned from this podcast is. Um, uh, the, the psychiatry podcast that I was watching is like, if you think about these things as like muscle knots, like these unprocessed emotions, like they kind of just sit there and you're, you're sort of injured and they're affecting your ability to perform or, yeah. or like live your life. And you're not really thinking about them on the day to day. You kind of know that something's off. Like there's like this pain in your back and, and only until you can kind of like figure out where that's at and sort of massage that knot out. Yeah. And that's, and that only happens when you kind of like give it awareness, you kind of like hone in on where it is, what it is, right. how much pressure you need to apply. Let's get to then, the source. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then, you know, you, you massage yourself. Like you, I try and use these physical metaphors cause I think it's like a lot more accessible. Like you wouldn't yeah. take a three month vacation because you, you had like a little like sore on your, on your arm, yeah. you know, like you, you, you rest up, you hydrate, you give it the attention that it needs, and then you you kind of move on. Right. But you don't ignore it. You know, you don't just start like doing like crazy bar bicep curls right, right. on your on your injured arm. <laughs> you know, like you have to you have to be honest with yourself about like where's hurting and, and how do you fix it. Right. So I just wanted to note that because I, I think that that's an important it's <laughs> important distinction. No, for sure. And also going back to everything that you've learned so far, I'm sure you've kind of gained some habits or created new habits to help you become more productive, um, either mentally or physically, whatever. What are some specific habits or rituals that have brought success to your daily life today? Ooh, it's good. Let me think. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if, cause when I think about habits, I think of like cultivating like a daily routine, but eh, not necessarily think, like, have yeah, you tried I, anything? I, well, that's the thing. I, I, new? I, when I, when I thought about it harder, I, I would say that habits are more of like, cultivating these trains of thought um like whereas before i think i had like a pretty negative self-dialogue hmm. of like oh you didn't do that thing gosh you're such a procrastinator right. what a piece of shit again it, it goes back to this like you know that's okay like give your give yourself a break from time to time and don't don't hold yourself to such high standards that no matter what you do it's not enough um are you saying like catching yourself mentally like yeah yourself for sure yeah yeah yeah. yeah, like like I think those those thoughts, like the things that we tell ourselves, like it's it's hard enough to be successful in your day to day without beating yourself up all the oh, time. Oh, for sure. And, and like I think you and me, we definitely are like we're very hard on ourselves. Oh, we're the master of uh, self degrading jokes. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we'll make ourselves small because it's like that. Then it's like then right. whatever you get, it's like that's what you deserve. So right, yeah. it's that's another like coping strategy. It's like yeah. 
oh well if you don't think you're you're worthy of great things and when you don't get great things and it's like well yep that's what i expected <laughs> right so, <laughs> so fulfilling prophecy that's what it is yeah. exactly so I, i've tried to catch myself on on those moments where i'm like that's not for you it's like i don't know why not me you know hmm. so i i think that that's been a helpful little mental shift so I'm just going to jump straight into what I call hard hitters. So these questions are very broad, but it's kind of recapping what we've probably talked about already. What's one life event that you're most thankful for? So many. Um, Maybe something that's helped you grow beyond what you thought you were, or maybe something that encouraged you to pursue something in life. This can really be anything. Yeah, this is probably recency bias, but I'll I'll just say like when I <laughs> when I decided to leave my job, it was like a pretty empowering moment for me. As as like paradoxical as that sounds, because I probably a version of myself could have made that decision like several years ago. Um, mm -hmm. But I was just kind of I was kind of scared. Like I was like I don't know what's gonna happen next. Um, so to actually make up that decision and be like, this is trust yourself this is the right decision for you like i was thankful that i had faith in myself because i think that that's the kind of confidence that i i've kind of lacked throughout my life um mm. so yeah i i was thankful for that in that sort of weird abstract way if you had one opportunity is there a part of your life that you would like to relive <laughs> i feel like i'm so annoying with these things because i'm like i, I want to know all of this the stipulations i'm like is is the rest of my life started over from that point on like do i have to live out that it, or can it just be like that that moment in time that i get to relive just any moment <laughs> um i don't know this is kind of a cop-out answer i i like childhood moments just because they're they're carefree and you you don't really feel the existential weight of of everything around you um oh, of course yeah i don't know there there's so many i mean i'll, I'll stick to our our childhood memories like sure. like literally just us in the cul-de-sac like biking around like shitting on each other yeah <laughs> super fun we would bike we would just like throw ball like basketballs at each other shoot around everything yeah yeah i have more colorful memories but uh yeah. our, our parents probably don't want to hear about those oh, yeah. probably not. <laughs> <laughs> what are three things you are most thankful for right now i mean I'm, I'm thankful that i'm in an apartment right now like it's pretty damn cold outside um that's a privilege that i don't take for granted thankful for video technology that allows us to to see each other high-speed internet you know that uh we we can connect even even by being separated by an entire country gosh i, I feel like i'm so shallow right now i'm i'm, I'm thankful that i'm drinking okay. beer right now it's a no these are real. friday night yeah it's friday night and i'm yeah. i'm enjoying myself i'm getting <laughs> there you go you're letting your hair down even though yeah you're exactly. drunk, but <laughs> All right, if you can recap your whole life journey at this very moment, what's one lesson or piece of advice that you would give someone who's gone through a similar struggle or maybe facing the same kind of problems or ongoing issues? Um, don't believe that you're in this alone because I, I think even if you have a lot of people in your life, sometimes you very much feel like you're you're on this Everest uh, of a struggle or whatever, whatever's happening in your life. And you just feel like no one's, no one's with you. Like take that opportunity to kind of seek out people, whether that's online or in person, et cetera. Like there, there's, there's someone who cares. Um, 
and is willing to sit on that mountain with you while you figure it out. Yeah. Just to add on to that too, it's just very real knowing that, um, you know, when you're in that low point, that's where you start. I think it's okay to be vulnerable and reach out for, you know, help or just having company too. Like that's a big thing, especially when you're really searching for that. I don't know. Yeah. Come come on this podcast, talk it out. (laughs) A lot can come to light in here. I'm sure. And then uh, what piece of advice would you give someone who hasn't fully pursued their passion or goal or just potential in life? Oh, this isn't going to be quick because I I think that I think where a lot of suffering comes from is feeling like you have so much more that you need to like get accomplished. Like, so what I would tell that person is to kind of just like look inwardly, um, meet yourself where you're at. You know, you can't run a marathon overnight. It's It's huge. Yeah celebrate the small victories and also give your just give give yourself a pat on the back from time to time like don't don't be so hard on yourself you don't need to rome wasn't built in a day so they say mm. oh damn mic drop. mic drop thanks for listening and major shout out to brian just for being vulnerable and inspiring us to create the best versions of ourselves a lot that was talked about in today's episode was not easy, but I definitely want to just say respect and much love to Brian for being able to share all of that. I'll see you in the next one. Peace.